Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Hey all, welcome back. It's Chris Jonu here, this is Startup Line Global Podcast. And today we're doing something a little bit different, um, you know, consumer product, food and beverage space, specifically the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits and aperitifs. Uh, when we have the founder of Seedlip and Acorn Drinks, Ben Branson, uh, the founder and we just go through a bit of a different entrepreneurial journey today. Um, I personally love, you know, um, consumer products, and 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 you know the, you know, there's something kind of beautiful about seeing a physical product on shelf. Um, and I think I don't know a lot of us, well, if you're like me, have this kind of dream at some point or another of having our own vodka or or tequila. Um, um, and but doing so is an incredibly uh, immensely hard feat to pull off, uh, and we go through some of the some of the difficulties. But um, he, you know, this is and this is a brand new category. Um, so he talks about um, the growth of Seed Lip um, from from nothing, experimenting um, at home with herbs from the garden, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and now with office in in, in Chilterns, Los Angeles, and Sydney. Um, and Seedlip being available in over 35 countries and served in many of the world's most awarded bars, restaurants, hotels, including 350 Michelin restaurants and 9 out of 10 of the world's best cocktail bars. And he's done it all in just under five years, um, become the leader in, the, in this category that he created. Um, really cool story. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. You know, I'm really, you know, excited to talk to you. Talk to you, um, one because you know we cover a lot of tech founders, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm truly um, excited about the opportunity to talk about, you know, product innovation and Seedlip in particular, um, and and hear about your wild ride here as well. But can I start with like, you know, can I get a little bit of background? You know, what was the education, and was there a mother or father that was an entrepreneur? Yeah, um, good question. So I, I, uh, I've got a mum that comes from nine generations of farming uh, in the UK. So we've been farming in the north of England for about 320 years and still farming today. People often forget that, that kind of farmers, I guess, are, are business owners and entrepreneurs and, and, and work for themselves. So I've got that on, on my mother's side. And then my dad uh runs his own company and he works in the in the design world so seedlip i guess has has been a a real you know a real product of my upbringing in the sense of being able to combine my kind of love of the land and my yeah my kind of love of 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 design and how powerful that can be for for people in society so uh yeah everybody in my family kind of works themselves my brothers both work themselves 
uh obviously on the farming side my dad and yeah i grew up kind of seeing you know people around me and my family um uncles etc all all kind of taking charge of their own destiny and 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 doing their bit so that's definitely been a, a huge factor i think in, in me wanting to run my own company contagious it was contagious yeah and what about what about the education uh, what about the education so i, I kind of I left school at 18, uh, Chris, and, and you know, I, I enjoyed school. I was happiest, though, when I was on the sports field and outside. Um, you know, that, that was where I was kind of, I loved, you know, I loved sport and I loved being outdoors. Um, and I left school and I, I kind of didn't want to really go back and spend holidays sitting on a tractor or, or on the farm. Um, you know, in, in kind of sleepy rural England, I, I was kind of intrigued by London and the bright lights and uh, wanting to see what, what the kind of design world was all about. Um, but also I was just sort of up for, you know, I went and did a cooking course when I left school in London to train to be a chef. I worked everything from a you know, security guard to a landscape gardener um, and then went, went traveling in... Uh, in Thailand and learned how to fire breathe and, you know, became a snowboard instructor in New Zealand and did loads of different things before I, I then kind of came back and settled into a, a career in the design world, um, working on other people's brands, uh, which I, I kind of did till I was what sort of 30. Um, and then the, and then the kind of seed lip bug caught. Um, and I started mucking around with a, a little copper still in my kitchen and playing around with herbs and uh this this kind of crazy journey began back in 2013 absolutely well i call that real world experience mate not no need to that i have to all have to wreck up the uh the harvard and uh mba um, <laughs> no exactly uh, I, I was thinking that the, the fire breathing would probably come in particularly handy for your own um launch events yeah <laughs> certainly a spectacle <laughs> Um, and so, look, you know, design, you know, I, I think kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with with product innovation. But can you kind of tell this journey from from the design world in um, into into product? And I'm guessing it was working on some clients, and then how it developed into um, this kind of experimentation that you did. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I guess I, and this is obviously all on reflection. You know, I, I sort of being a kind of you know eight or nine year old uh and learning about where the food on my plate had come from and and kind of seeing you know the hard work that went into to growing produce but at the same time being fascinated by by what my dad did and by design and brands and you know supermarkets being kind of like art galleries i guess to me in a way and so I, you know, as, as well as kind of being on the farm and in school holidays, I, I also started doing some work experience um, at my dad's design company. And, you know, I, I was sort of 13 working on things like absolute vodka and rearranging the library and, you know, doing, being part of kind of brainstorms on, you know, naming projects. And, and so kind of was running this sort of slightly strange kind of dual world of you know branding and design and land and and farming um which you know 
I guess hopefully just makes even more sense as to why, why, you know, working with real amazing, great ingredients and great growers has been and is so important to, to Seedlip, but also making sure that, you know, what we do is, is beautiful and considered and sophisticated and grown up so that, you know, if you're not drinking alcohol for whatever reason, you get something that feels really positive and that actually is not, you know, a boring lime and soda or some sweetie, sweet, horrible, fruity mocktail. So when it came to sort of seed lips design, um, I was massively inspired by, you know, clients and projects that I'd worked on um, when I was agency side. And that might have been, you know, a really beautiful, old, expensive perfume called Grossmith, um, you know, that the Queen used to use that was incredibly luxurious, but but really high craft and, and kind of lots of design detail to working on, you know, projects, working on nappies, bleach, you know, all these other kind of real commodity kind of categories and just trying to bring everything that I'd learned from working on big brands and small brands into making sure that we created a really, uh, I guess, yeah, a really standout um, considered brand that had nature at the heart of it um, and celebrated the ingredients that we work with. And can I ask, so look, you know, I, when, when I, when I see the, the catchphrase, you know, the, the, the line there that, you know, the world's first distilled spirits, you know, I mean, it's it's probably you know obvious in hindsight that someone was going to tackle this but i imagine that the um well the innovation and the science to make it happen wasn't an easy journey no it's kind of um you know when when i started just experimenting i guess back in 2013 a originally i i had no idea about you know I, there was no plan to create a drink there was no Ooh, I, I know what the world needs. It needs a distilled non-alcoholic spirit. I, I definitely didn't have any of those sort of ideas or ambitions. I was initially just fascinated by uh, the world of kind of herbs and spices and what else I could grow at home. And then also these these kind of old herbal remedies and the fact that I, I discovered that people were distilling herbal remedies you know 300 years ago and some of those remedies were alcoholic and some of those were non-alcoholic um but all used kind of herbs and spices and distillation so I, I was initially just kind of like hey this is kind of interesting i like experimenting and tinkering with kind of you know crafty kind of stuff at home I'm going to have a go. And I bought a little copper still off the internet and I started playing around with, with herbs from my garden. I had no, you know, Chris, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just happy evenings and weekends tinkering about. Um, with the alcoholic version or the non-alcoholic? <laughs> no, I was just, I was originally playing around with just literally, how can I take, you know, mint from my garden um, and just make a liquid that smelt and tasted like the plant you know not because i wanted to create a drink just because i was fascinated by the process i guess more mm -hmm. than anything and then you know as 
as I kind of discovered that, God, you know, the world of non-alcoholic drinks at that time back in 2013, really all you could get was maybe a non-alcoholic beer that probably tasted like cardboard. Mm-hmm. Or you could get, you know, a, a fizzy water or, you know, if you were really unlucky, you'd get, you know, a pink fruity kind of disgusting blend of fruit juices with an umbrella and a cherry in. And then kind of it, it sort of dawning on me, I guess, that maybe there was an opportunity here to, you know, combine everything that I love and the the amateur distilling that I was doing at home and see if I could make a liquid and see if I could actually uh, take the best of nature and, and kind of blend ingredients together in interesting ways. And so, yeah, the process took two years, you know, to, to kind of crack as it were. Um, and it, it's not easy. We're, we're going up against, you know, hundreds of years of, of tried and tested alcoholic distillation and very established alcohol categories, very established, you know, ways that bars and restaurants um, people at home drink these drinks and so you know i i've i've heard it all back in the beginning of you know your this is a ridiculous idea and why why would you do this what's the point um this is never going to sell a bottle you know lots of uh lots of kind of challenges i guess to to I love these times people. Yeah, yeah I love nice people, people we surround ourselves with, right? I know, uh, I know. <laughs> and, and even my family, you know, it, it kind of, it definitely wasn't the, oh, yeah, that's amazing, Ben. Like, that sounds just <laughs> what the world needs. It was kind of like, okay, um, yeah. We're on your own. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, look, I so think... Nick, sorry, sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think it's been, uh, you know, creating a new category doesn't come around that often um, and disrupting, you know, a kind of multi-billion pound uh, industry. Uh, I kind of feel like my naivety of not having come from the drinks industry um, has been actually my biggest ally and, you know, my, my kind of greatest strength because... I, I kind of look back now and, you know, we're only five years old. Um, so it's been a short journey so far, but, you know, God, I, I look back and I'm like, God, I, I was really either incredibly uh, deluded um, or incredibly naive or just wildly sort of arrogant to think that I could actually do something like this. You know, it, it, it's so, kind of... yeah. Well, they're great in- ingredients for an entrepreneur, right? I, I, hopefully, so I, I mean, I'm yeah. hopefully. I mean, you've interviewed a few, right? So, you're you're kind of probably know better than I do, but I, I'm definitely driven by by fear of failure, and I'm definitely Seedlip's harshest critic, and you know, I'm constantly dissatisfied, and and that's that's ultimately what what means, you know, finding this kind of uh this challenge that people face of like what the hell do you drink when you're not drinking alcohol that's actually grown up and doesn't treat you like a child well there's something to be dissatisfied about and and an opportunity to do something about it yeah so i've got like you know i I kind of have a little bit of insight in that you know i um we you know my brother and i we had founded a, a, a private label company and we would do innovation as a service for for big companies and and we did we did have a crack at uh, um, 
well, we did sell some some tequila along the way. So I know <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and and, and try and uh, you know provide the audience with some context of why it's so hard to you know. Um, I think we all have this dream to launch our own beverage or vodka, yeah. right? But the, the the challenges that you would have encountered, I'm, I'm quite familiar with, and we'll we'll dig a little bit deeper on that. But it's I just wanted to dig, um, um, you know, talk about the problem a little bit further because it is something that I think probably a lot of the audience can relate to is that that night when we're out and we're, and we're not drinking, you know, to your point, there's there's not many options. It's all a bit awkward. And and then so you've you've kind of over, over you've got overcome social awkwardness in there, um, hope, you know, with a with a with a pleasant tasting drink, and I feel like I'm part of it, right? There's this kind of yeah. social element that you've that you've you've solved. Then yeah. you've done people it. People want to belong. Yeah. They do yeah. want to. You know, we are social creatures, and and you know, at a base level, fitting in and and belonging and feeling part of a group or an occasion is is a pretty uh even just on a very fundamental level that's like a, a human need i think that we have and the fastest way to feel like you're the odd one out and that you don't belong and that you're not part of the occasion yeah. is if you're the you know the idiot with an orange juice yeah or well, you said with the drink with the drink with the that's um not noticeable with the umbrella in it <laughs> right it's, right. it's very discreet um yeah so wow. look um yeah to, to go to, let's get into the, the journey of seedlip so you've got this product you you know how to design the packaging looks exceptional now can we go through the journey of why it's so hard to do this and i'll start with the idea you know the you know the i guess the the, the challenge that um a lot of these bigger um you know Diageos of the world and the, and the rest of it. I don't know if they're your partners now. I apologize in advance, but um, but you have these big distributors that kind of lock up a lot of venues on premise, um, and it's kind of hard to get in there, right? And then um, yep. uh, and then you've got this, um, you know, on the on the retail side of things, you've got these short windows where you can get in front of buyers and they're looking at new products, but you're competing against the same groups that have multi-million dollar budgets um and you know buying buying shelf space or whatever and have the funds to um you know uh, for promotional spend and cardboard cutouts and everything else and so to succeed in 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 um in this world is is terribly difficult um it is um, and when you kind of if you stack up the facts you know and, and kind of said to someone uh right it, here's what you're up against you know 90 percent uh of, of food and drink you know startups sort of fail kind of pretty close to year one uh and then you're going up against you know a multi-billion dollar uh industry that you know has got more funding more resource is incredibly saturated and competitive, um, you know, and you're starting from scratch. Oh, and by the way, you know, you've got to develop um, a six-week production process uh, that treats your 18 um, ingredients all individually, 
they all get their own individual process to to make them before they're blended and then bottled. Um, you know, you just you kind of you just say forget about it. You know, I'm I'm really not up to that challenge because it sounds just like a sounds just like an, uh, it's only going to go one way, um, and it's just too big a kind of just too big a hurdle to try and bother to even get over or get through or get around. Um, and so the odds are heavily stacked against anybody within the kind of startup food and drink space. Yet, yet we have, you know, this group of kind of crazy people, you know, who, who, who just are compelled to, to give it a go and compelled to try and prove otherwise um because yeah we've we've had you know all of our our sort of trials and tribulations and we'll have more challenges and it's definitely a massive game of snakes and ladders you know today yesterday was a bit of a snake day the day before was a massive ladder day and that's just kind of how it goes and that's still going on five years in um that it is just absolute ups and downs um but I, I kind of I I relish that personally. I I kind of I I like the the element of risk, and I like the element of challenge and being the underdog, and um, and also just doing something different. I guess is is where I I kind of feel like I'm I'm best. Is forecasting enough when you need to analyze and take action? Meet the startup that says no. What's needed is super forecasting. Hi, it's Mike Stiles, and this is Meet the Startups for the week of August 26th, brought to you by Oracle for Startups. How can you be happy with forecasting when there's something out there called super forecasting? Startup founder Tony Nash and his company, Complete Intelligence, are making super forecasting possible with a highly automated, data-intensive AI solution. Part of what makes it so super is there's zero human bias. No spin or wishful thinking allowed. Complete Intelligence is helping organizations visualize financial data, make predictions, and adjust strategy on the fly. That gets you things like smarter purchasing, better supply chain planning, smarter cost and revenue decisions, but it's intense. More than 15 billion data points are run on Complete Intelligence's platform every day. To get where they needed to be on performance and price, the company moved from Google Cloud to Oracle Cloud. That did it. Computing is at peak performance and Complete Intelligence's global customers are reaping the benefits. That's super. We asked Complete Intelligence CEO Tony Nash what this pandemic has done to forecasting and supply chains. We've seen a big shift in how managers are looking at their supply chains. As a result of COVID-19, companies are eager to understand their cost and revenue risks. Things like concentration risk and the timing of their cost, that sort of thing. We're helping our customers with timely and accurate information to make smarter cost and better revenue planning decisions. What startup doesn't like better performance and lower costs? Oracle has a startup partnership for you at oracle.com startup. So can you go through that? And, 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 and I didn't mention another hurdle for, for you as well. Is because you're developing an entirely new category, you've probably got all these kind of regulatory issues around the formulations or whatever that you're dealing with as well i mean it's it's just crazy how you know i'm, I'm thinking about a you know a 
a vegan protein line that we were looking to do that had nootropics in it. And, mm. um, and because there was some ingredients in this kind of gray area hadn't been regulated yet, there was not, there was, we couldn't get a manufacturer that would manufacture it. Right. It was like, right. Um, so oh, like, you I, come I, back and take the innovation out of it and then we can yeah. maybe look at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The we've, we've had, and, and again, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize this at, at the time. Um, Chris, it, it, it's kind of like we've, we've had to do all the jobs of opening a new category. And I mean that on every different level from uh, the supply chain and educating, um, you know, whether it's educating growers, whether it's educating bottlers, whether it's educating food standards, compliance, labeling, legal, trademarks. You know, we've had to do that kind of massive area um, of work. And, you know, CLIP's available in 37 countries now. And, and you know, for example, uh, in one of our products, Seedlip Garden, um, we use hay. And, it, and it's a, a beautiful kind of broom-led uh, mix of, of hay that brings those really kind of dry, grassy, uh, earthy notes to Seedlip Garden. Hay in Japan is is not allowed as an ingredient, you know, and you're kind of like, well, how who the hell knew that, you know? So oh, so we've kind of had had that yeah. side of things. Then we've then we've also had to educate um, the trade, bartenders, chefs, um, and kind of retailers and customers to to give. As space, attention, fixtures, education to uh, to consumers, and then we've also had to kind of educate the consumer as well on what the hell is this? How do I use it? What do I do with it? Um, when do I drink it? Okay, I make a seedlip and tonic. Okay, I kind of can understand that. Um, so we've been doing all these kind of many, you know, many hat jobs. I guess in the same way that. You know, people like, but on a completely different scale, you know, Tesla needed to do with electric cars and people have needed, people like Oatly have needed to do with alternative milks. And you're talking about kind of, you know, vegan protein um, and these, these kind of disruptive uh, categories that, that really do change our previous preconception of, of what this, of what meat, milk, cars spirits are right even when you know we first got mobile phones the idea of a mobile phone was revolutionary now we just call it a phone you know yeah and and then so let's like bringing it back to kind of the uh you know the hustle and the you know entrepreneurship um of it all that you know i think relates to anyone that's listening right this is why i like getting learnings from from various industries and entrepreneurs from different categories uh you know yesterday we had the founder of of skaterstan and i gotta remember to to deploy the episodes in order now but um he was uh an australian guy that was in afghanistan that started a skate school um for um young kids nice and and basically got them in there with skating and educated them right just insane story but did this in the middle of, you know, 
war-torn Afghanistan. Um, today we're talking, you know, product innovation and all of it, but the hustle seems to, you know, be or this kind of drive, as you mentioned, it to kind of succeed or, you know, I think you said, uh, you know, embarrassment or failure. Can we get, you know, talk about that for a little bit? Because I want to kind of understand the hustle that, you know, did it start going door to door? Were you just, you know, how yeah. did you kind of bring this to life and get the distribution to to get to where you are right now? Yeah, really good question. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't, don't have co-founders and uh, didn't have a startup team. And, you know, I, I put my, my life savings in um, originally and I, I kind of did this the only way I knew how, which was to try and learn everything from, you know, the finance aspect, the investment aspect, uh, the legals, the production, uh, the marketing, the branding, uh, and then the selling as well. And, you know, I, I started in the only way I kind of knew how, which was uh, leather of my, of my shoes um, and literally going round two bars. And, you know, luckily I, I got a meeting. I got an introduction from a friend of mine to the buyer at, at Selfridges. Selfridges is your, you know, your David Jones kind of a, equivalent in in the uk and it's got a fantastic spirits uh department that's well known you know within the trade and the industry for for kind of launching really exciting um products and the buyer there said okay you, you're gonna have 15 minutes of my time ben because i, I don't like anything without alcohol in so that that was the kind of uh, that was the kind of gauntlet that was thrown down um and i you know, I, I look back, I'm just like, this was a really crazy move. I didn't do any research like with the public. I didn't do focus groups. I didn't, I didn't kind of do any of any of that kind of um, testing. I just thought, look, if this has got any legs, I'm going to take it to, um, you know, to a, a great spirits buyer. I'm going to take it to some of London's best bartenders and best chefs see if I can poke their intrigue at least for a meeting and a tasting. And then the result of that, I'm going to know where I stand. I think I'm going to know if this got any legs and, and whether I can, I can kind of bring the, the credibility and reputation by having a premium product that's, that meets a real need that these guys who've got so much more influence, um, you know, can, can get behind. And I had an amazing meeting with the Selfridges buyer, you know, I was with her for an hour and I walked out of that meeting and she said, look, Ben, I want to launch it here exclusively. I'm also going to be leaving soon to go and work, uh, as the buyer for, um, one of London's kind of wholesalers. And it turns out that was one of the best, you know, the best wholesalers that supplied all the best bars and restaurants and hotels in London. And so I walked out of that meeting and I had my first retailer and I had my route to market to actually be able to deliver to some of these amazing bars that that were also really excited to get behind it. Um, but I've done it a few different ways, Chris. You know, I, I my dad lives in New York and he's been our, he was our delivery man, you know, originally when. 
restaurants like 11 Madison Park wanted to get hold of it as soon as they could. Um, he'd be the one kind of delivery boy taking it in. I used to deliver every weekend for probably the first six months to a Michelin starred uh, restaurant that was near where um, I developed Seed Lips. So I'd, I'd kind of deliver to them myself. Um, but we built this bar by bar, restaurant by restaurant retailer by retailer i said no and not yet far more than i said yes um and was just really careful um with how we built it in london and then that same model has come out you know we launched with david jones uh and the maryvale group in in australia and we're just just you know really i guess careful to position seedlip in a in a really aspirational you know credible way can I, can I ask, um, you know, um, because, again, I know this is another challenge, but I think it's useful to to talk about it, is, you know, and usually we're talking about tech products and some of them are SaaS, so there's no problem with inventory, let alone ingredients, yeah. right? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and all the, you know, the delivery and, and, and wholesales yeah. and retail. Can you just talk a little bit about how you kind of, um, manage the growth along the way, you know, and um, yeah, just just for the for the you know the interest of of our listeners. Yeah, it's um it's complex, um, Chris, as as you can imagine, and you know we are a, a kind of self-confessed nature company that makes drinks, and 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 our name is is Seedlip, you know, which uh, tells you a little bit about the fact that we're taking real ingredients, you know from uh from nature that has this whole whole set of challenges of you know even sourcing the best the continuation of the growing and harvesting uh of those ingredients and you know we're we're really proud to to work really well with all of our growers and to to get the kind of best you know the best ingredients um to work with so you've got 18 challenges right there with each individual ingredient. Then, you know, we've got the uh, the distillation aspect and the six-week kind of production process. The forecasting of, you know, 37 countries and the volatility, you know, look at, you know, COVID, something like that comes along. That's kind of a, you know, a big challenge for our our route to market and our supply teams um and it's just uh you know thank god you know I, i'm i'm i must admit that i don't <laughs> i am not the the best logistics person and i'm not the best production and supply uh organization person at all i was doing it all kind of in the beginning but uh thankfully i've hired people who are way better at it than i am because it is. It's a. It's a really difficult task when you've got three products. Uh, we've also got another brand, Acorn Aperitifs, which we launched last May, which is a non-alcoholic range of of kind of aperitifs for that that spritz serve. Um, so we've got we've got kind of six products to work with. That works with you know English grapes. That works with a whole load of different ingredients as well. So the the supply side is 
is a is a massive challenge. We've got to have a different back label for Australia. We've got to have a different back label for Canada because they need dual language. So it's a constant kind of uh, moving puzzle, really, in terms of the back end that means things have to get you know in, into different places at the right time. Um, and then we run our own uh, D2C, so our own e-commerce sites um, in the US and in the UK. Um, and that has its whole own logistics and fulfillment ecosystem uh, with it as well. So, you know, my, my supply team are amazing. And fortunately, you know, we've not had any massive disasters Um but yeah, it's a it is a big element of that I that I think is often overlooked in the kind of food and drinks world. Um, of you know, you got to make something and you got to get it somewhere, and then you got to sell it, and and that can bring a whole load of a whole load of challenges with it. Um, so yeah, and for our category, you know, when we launched, we were the only distilled non-alcoholic spirit. There are now 125 non-alcoholic spirit type products in the world. Um, and scaling supply is probably, and I can't speak for all of them, but I'm, I'm hazarding a guess based on our experience, scaling supply and maintaining quality and consistency um, is probably the, the number one challenge. Yeah, well, I, I um, yeah, look, I've got a, I've got a few more that were coming to mind as you were saying that, um, but we're going to end on, on, on the positive note. I promise you that. But there's also <laughs> the, you know, um, uh, tax. Um, yeah, it's just insane on alcohol products. Um, and, oh well, not alcoholic. Sorry. So that's great. You kind of bypass yes. that one, right? Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, we're we're lucky. We're lucky that you know we we don't have to pay any duty. Um, we it it doesn't take away the kind of the production time, etc., um, and the cost of actually making the product. But uh, yeah, we we don't have to we don't have to worry about duty, which is good. Oh, great! I was going to say I was going to say that yeah, bonded warehouses. But yeah, yes. um, again, they're wrong. All the fun, and then the the US has like a different law for each state with the distribution of alcohol so that's yeah great. They, must... they've got a really a really kind of archaic crazy system over there so yeah that well that's so that, that's great that you kind of get get all around that i mean to your point you know you still have you fit some compliance on all the labels and stuff but moving forward right if i can just kind of end on um on the success of it all right and and and, and now hopefully i give you that chance to kind of look back and go hey you know, you said, I think, was it 37 countries? You know, you, yep. you've, you've got ranging around the world. Um, you've, you've, you've designed this new category. It's working well. You have competitors now, um, you know, copying what you're doing. Uh, the launch of the new products. Um, what have been some of the, you know, the wins that you, you, you cherished? And um, what's the future for Sealip? I remember when... Um when we launched in Melbourne and I, I probably visited Melbourne, um, you know, six, seven times over, over the last few years, obviously I haven't been out there this year, but I remember when we did the launch event in Melbourne and it was, it was such a fascinating kind of, uh, insight into human behavior. Um, because 
when you when you look at the facts, right? We'd invited I don't know sixty, seventy uh, journalists, bartenders, trade influencers, friends of the brand, um, to a bar, and they were coming to that bar in the evening um, to come and drink non-alcoholic cocktails, and and even that is pretty unusual, right? What? Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the evening, and they were only drinking seedlip cocktails, people were behaving exactly like they would at the end of a kind of Friday night, um, having having only drunk alcohol. There was people were relaxed, people were loud, people were hugging, people were, you know, making friends with strangers, or it it was just kind of a, a really incredible um, proof point to me that. You know, it, it, it's sort of once the the setting and the socializing kind of occasion is set and once people feel good about what they have in their hand and they feel relaxed and they feel comfortable and they feel part of, you know, people are having a having an amazing time and, and it doesn't actually therefore matter whether you're drinking alcohol or not. You can still have a great time full stop um, and, and it shouldn't matter what what the kind of content of your drink is. So, so that that's kind of a. I was just thinking about that as we were talking, you know, given you're in Melbourne and, and just sort of that that was a fond memory. I mean, I, I've I've been amazed, you know, at what's well, can happened. I, can, I, can I pause there for a second, right? Because I yeah. love that. I love that comment, right? And it's just, you know, you mentioned you you snuck outside because so you don't want to wake up your kids. Yeah, how many kids do you yeah. have? Yeah, two, two, yeah, two. I got two, I got two. I got two as well, and I was I was not long thinking about um something you know uh, along the same you know um train of thought was that you know that you know my kids love parties right yeah and and they get excited and it's the best thing but at some point the definition of a party completely changes right i was trying to pinpoint when that becomes Less about getting together, super excited um, about seeing your mates and whatever the, you know kids are generally excited about to alcohol and yep. uh, you know for the most part alcohol and uh, you know pretension and and everything you yep. mentioned it's it's just beautiful to hear you tell that story right to go there's kind of hope for humanity um, yeah I I kind of you know our our goal is just to our goal ironically is normal you know and and that that sounds kind of very unsexy and 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 kind of very unambitious in some ways but i don't really care why someone's not drinking alcohol i just care that they get a great option and they get a great drink um and i just i don't i don't i don't want to see society you know needing to question people for kind of their choices and it's like so what i'm not drinking alcohol i need to get up early tomorrow or i'm going to the gym or i'm having a night off or i'm driving i'm pregnant whatever the reasons it kind of doesn't matter that we 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 shouldn't need to kind of explain ourselves um so I, i kind of that's 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 a pretty that's a pretty key kind of memory that that stands out and then you know i've had some i've had a uh i got to meet david attenborough three weeks ago which 
um, you know, is absolutely one of my all-time highlights of the last five years. And as a nature company, you know, that that kind of wants to celebrate and protect the natural world, you know, he's an absolute hero of, of ours as a business. Um, so that that's really cool. And, I, you know, I've been lucky to go to, you know, amazing bars, restaurants and hotels in, in amazing cities around the world. Um, but I, I still feel like we're just getting started. And I still feel like, you know, there is so much more that A, we, we want to do and B, that's needed um, to kind of really propel this movement into more of the mainstream, into it being more normal, that you can get a great non-alcoholic option, you know, regardless of the reason why you're not drinking alcohol. Um, so it's sort of like five years in, you know, nice chapter kind of uh, and line drawn. Um, but we're, we're kind of excited about, you know, what the next five years are, are going to offer. Absolutely. Well, Ben, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, loved thank you. Hearing, yeah, hearing the story of Seed Lift and yeah. Best of luck in the future. Hope to catch up at some point and have a yeah. have a seed lift together. Yeah, right. Um, all right, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Catch you soon. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.